What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. Oh shit, here we go. Holidays are over, so are the excuses. Let's get back at it, do what we do best. Get on here, talk shit, see who agrees, see who doesn't, and see if I really give a shit. Because these takes are mine, they're terrible to you, to me, to anyone who thinks they're bad, I give a fuck less. Let's just fucking, let's get back on this train. I miss some good wrestling from a podcast standpoint. But I have been watching and keeping up on it. I'm super, super excited for Wednesday's New Year's Eve watch along on Twitch at TW Takes Podcast across all platforms. We got a little Facebook page up too. Well, we'll get there. But look, uh, I'm revamping the intro, revamping the outro. Everything's going to be what it is for now. And when all the all the new shit gets up and going, it, it'll be there. No, I'm not not too worried about major announcements and all that shit, but... Let's look at what we got going forward, man. Happy 2021, everybody. Let's uh, let's have some fucking fun. Let's keep this shit going. So with that being said, though, uh, first episode of Raw in 2021 was not spectacular. And I, look, I think they were a victim of the circumstance. I think they booked this Raw weeks out. You know what I mean? Not knowing what they were going to get the, the, the previous two weeks. Because the last two weeks of Raw following TLC have been really good. These nice little seeds of storytelling. They gave us, you know, uh, the Alexa Randy stuff and, you know, things like that. So, you know, what's going on with AJ and Elias and, and you know, moving things kind of in a, in a direction. Um, when, when Legends Night comes around, it's like, well, how do we work around this? And I think this is two years in a row that we've had a really good Legends Night. Because, look, I saw some, some reactions on Twitter and the opposite of what we got is when it's all about the legends. When we get a 15-minute promo segment with Ric Flair and 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 Hulk Hogan. Well, we didn't get that, right? We got the opening sequence. We got the shit with Drew. And I saw some people hating on Drew, and look, we get it. Hogan's a scumbag. I agree. But if I'm put in position to meet him, my inner gut is probably going to be excited. If I'm told by my employer that I have to shake his hand and do a skit, um, yes, I will probably succumb to that. And it's not about anybody supporting anybody or whatever, and, and people do terrible shit. But in that moment, it's got nothing to do with Hogan. That, that had everything to do with Drew, man. It, it's most likely a bucket list thing that he'll never have to touch again. He doesn't have to do it anymore. For him. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. For him. Shout out to Drew for doing it. I mean, remember when Legends Night... Uh, AJ Styles was on the mic with Mean Gene Okerlund, and he hit him with the, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, I always want to do that. Mean Gene fucking hated it, right? You can see it in his face. He fucking hated it. But AJ Styles can say, I did it. That's about him. You know, these these guys grew up loving this shit too. So I, I think they, they had a successful version of Legends Night on Raw. No, it wasn't great. It wasn't a good Raw, you know, but when you when you factor in everything, what do we got? We got legends. How do we use them? Well, they did, and properly. I thought 
using the boogeyman to scare Angel Garza was was awesome. And it involved the 24-7 title. You know, when, when the last Legends night, I believe, was when they swapped the 24-7 title throughout all the Legends. You know, that was the best case scenario. What else are you going to do? This particular Legends night, it was executed well for a Legends night. Yes, I would have preferred to have other matches and shit like that. But for what we got, it was it was okay. Uh, successful for a Legends night. As far as Ronnie overall, no, I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Uh, but let let me give you give you my recap how I saw it, and then you know if we gotta talk about it later, we talk about it later. So like I said, it was a success as as Raw. Randy, I, I didn't dig the thread throughout the night. Right, this is something that he did fucking two months ago. He's he's threaded through talking to all the legends, and the big payoff was him beating Jeff Hardy again. And in a gruesome match, of course, because Randy is on some other shit, very sadistic right now. And the way he fucking twisted up Hardy's earlobes, I mean, and I forgot about it too, when he put the fucking screwdriver in his ear and twisted it all around when they were in Hell in a Cell. I mean, Randy really does like fucking with your boy's earlobes, man. Uh, but the, the, the payoff is that he beats Jeff Hardy and Tom Phillips says that uh, the legend killer beat a legend. You know, and, and I'm like, that's that's the payoff? He's He's following around and talking shit to all the legends and that's the payoff that he beats jeff hardy and you call jeff hardy a legend so what was that or what was that i I don't understand now the show the show kicked off with you know hogan introducing whatever and i actually missed that um and then i saw the miss tv segment and of course teddy long i mean (laughs) I, i like the segment for what it was right no it wasn't executed well it, but it's it's something different. Uh, we knew exactly where it was going uh, when he said the Undertaker. You know, I, I I snickered, and that's that's what it was for. You know, to have some fun. So let's not take all this shit too seriously. Um, I, I yes, I wish he executed better. I love Adam Pierce interrupting him. You know, fun stuff. Uh, Could have been better. Sure. Did I did I enjoy it? Yeah, I wasn't mad at it. Uh, but. The Miz and Morrison versus the New Day. I tell you, it it's always it's always as expected. We we're, we're going to get a really athletic match, a really good match. Miz is going to slow down the pace when he's in the ring. Woods is going to slow down the pace when he's in the ring, and we're going to get a, a good match. But in this match, we we kind of got that, but we still I still Miz and Morrison smiling so fucking much, man. It bothers me. And it doesn't bother me in a good way as far as the heel shit goes. Like, yes, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to not like them, but I want to take them seriously as a heel threat, and I don't. I mean, when when they had the WrestleMania match, the, the triple threat ladder match, that was supposed to be six guys in the ring that it turned into three, I thought was awesome. I thought it was a really, really good match at WrestleMania last year. But coming out of that, with Miz and Morrison being champions, they were taken... More seriously, yes, they did the jokey shit, but in the ring, they were taken seriously, and I'm not taking them seriously right now. I want to, and I'm just not. They just they don't seem legit. They don't seem tough. They seem to be playing their part, and and I think we got to change that. I think we got to change that. Uh, AJ and Elias, I thought was a damn good match from what AJ is willing to do for Elias. I, I've been an Elias guy. Um, I used to love the drifter. Every time he would walk by, uh, you know, I, it would, it, I'd get a, you know, a reaction from it. Sometimes I would laugh. Sometimes I would, uh, you know, wonder where it was leading to. 
and then they got rid of the drifter, whatever. But it, it always worked for me. Elias always worked for me. And I, I, I'll say it every time. I mean, Elias absolutely hates, must, I'm sorry, let me paraphrase. Let me say this properly. Elias must hate the fact that Braun Strowman exists. Because if it wasn't for Braun Strowman, Elias would look like the biggest motherfucker out there. Uh, dude is just always jacked. Muscles on top of muscles. Uh, but no, it was it was a damn good match. AJ sold the fuck out of everything for him. Elias actually looked more aggressive than he usually does. Because Elias usually wrestles with that like sneaky athleticism. Where it's like, this is a big dude, but he's moving around. He's wearing jeans. Like, You know what I'm saying? Like He, he usually looks a lot... Uh, uh, not as athletic as he as he did here, um, but I, hey, I, I really enjoyed the match. The finish was phenomenal. Uh, almost kicking the guitar swung by Jackson Ryder was just perfectly executed. I really am, really am digging how they're building almost slowly. He, uh, he He's showing a little bit of skill here, a little bit of skill there. I, I called it a couple weeks ago, right? Big for no reason. He's not. They're showing you every single reason that he is this big. And I, I really dug it. I really dug it. Uh, I also, I'm also liking how Dana and Mandy are continuing to progress in the ring. They look better and better, smoother and smoother, more fluid, more fluid. And, and that's all I've been asking for, right? It's not about... Five star matches every time, and and shouts to Shayna Baszler, man. I mean, like I when once I realized that she's forty, I mean, and the only reason why I bring it up is because I don't know what kind of timetable that puts on her career. She wrestles in a style where she doesn't take take much impact. She doesn't she doesn't land on her back as much. She so like it's very possible that she is uh, gonna wrestle for like another four or five years, which is good, but. You know, the body is what the body is, right? She's 40, you know, that puts her at 45. What she's doing to help the women's division, just in this match, just in this match where she's supposed to face Mandy Rose, knocks her out, Dana Brooke comes out, Dana has a match, was very competitive with Shayna the whole time. Shayna gets the submission in, Dana pins her while the submission's on, right? So the win goes to Dana. Shayna never lets go. And only releases because Manny Rose comes in with a phenomenal knee. And the way these women have been looking super athletic, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. Because, you know, like like we've been saying from the beginning, right? we got to rebuild tag teams. we got to rebuild the women's division. And this women's division, it's really coming along. And I, I don't know if there's something up with Nia, but Shayna the last two weeks has done a good job trying to make Dana Brooke look good. And, and this right here with Mandy and Dana both looking pretty damn good. So uh, shout to them. Uh, let me jump into the other women's match too. Uh, the, the the women's tag match. Um, this bothers me because I, I wonder if Lana was in the plans. If Lana was really in the plans, then I get it, right? Let's get the tag teams on and off Charlotte to whatever this is going to be uh, because Lana's hurt. Because if Lana and Asuka were going to win and be champions, then I don't think that Lana and Asuka lose to Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans the same way because they wrote this match to have Ric Flair be the distraction. So that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing that they were that creative that quick. Okay, so stop shitting on the creative when, number one, we're not in the building. Number two, we didn't write it our fucking selves. Uh, they, they did a good job getting the titles off of them. I thought the... Baseball slide by Charlotte into Lacey Evans while she was flirting with Ric Flair was phenomenal. I I cringed. Uh, 
I, I gave an oh fuck on the couch. It was uh, it was definitely one hell of a kick. Uh, but I my biggest gripe because two two gripes. Number one, where's the reference for Oscar in the writers' room? Why aren't they writing better for her? Why why did this whole entire match happen revolve around Lacey and Charlotte? And Asuka basically was an entrance, decent wrestling, not thought about afterwards. Nothing about Asuka afterwards. And that really bothers me because she is not just one of the best you have in your roster. She's one of the best wrestlers, period, men or women, of all time. Just look at her work and how she's able to wrestle. And she's doing it through all this bullshit that whether she's given or not. So, it, whatever, man. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm already seeing the tweets in my head about how fucking terrible that take is. But it's not. I mean, she's a phenomenal wrestler. Sam Roberts said the the four horsewomen might not be the best four women wrestlers of all time. Uh, okay, maybe, but completely glossed over Asuka. Asuka needs to stop being glossed over. I do it too, but. Not only do I do it, and you do it, and Sam do it, the problem is that the fucking writer's room is doing it. They're not giving her what she deserves, or at least what we deserve in her. She's she's getting up there in age, and she only has so many miles left. She is your fucking champion. Give us something. Give us something with Asuka. The other thing that's really pissing me off about the women's division, too, is they're taking people like Lacey Evans like Peyton Royce, Mandy, Dana, and they're sexing them up to get us to look at them first without giving us the in-ring shit. The match, the whole situation between Mandy and Dana should have been more in-ring stuff. The the sex appeal with Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans, it doesn't need to be this high right now because we already know who they are. Give us all the in-ring shit. Show us that we need to continue to care about them. Peyton Royce has the ability to be really fucking good. I remember her in NXT going, man, she actually can be a women's champion. But she's never in the ring long enough on the main roster to give us worth rooting for. Now she has a tag title. Now Lacey does. I remember watching Lacey in, in NXT in the, uh, the May Young Classic going, wow, she's really fucking athletic. She's really fucking good. But now they want to give us all personality and looks without giving us the fucking time. Give us the time. We know what they look like. They're gorgeous. They're very beautiful. I want to watch them wrestle. If I want to watch a beauty pageant, I'll watch that. But I'm watching wrestling. Yes, we need characters. Yes, we do. Too much. If, if I wanted to clock it, I'm sure it would be pretty damn even between character work and, and wrestling time. And that never helps anybody. Never helps anybody. We need we need lo- uh, longer matches with these women, and to to show how good they fucking are. They are that good. Last match of the night, best match of the night, best match of the year. Haha, <laughs> four days in, whatever. Uh, really good match. Uh, Drew versus Keith Lee. We got what we expected. A phenomenal match. I hope you guys are are taking into appreciation what Keith Lee is doing. He is continuing to modify his style to be that big man. I equated it to to a buddy of mine. He looks like a defensive tackle, but he used to wrestle like a defensive back. Uh, be a de- defensive tackle and do an explosive move every once in a while. And that's what that's what we got. We got Keith Lee being so big, so strong, so 
so good at at that style where he was hiccuping the last couple weeks. He's now put himself in position to look that big. Now, the Spanish fly. I thought he hurt himself real bad. I thought he hit his head real bad. And the execution of that move is going to be why that style is going to be taken completely away from him. I actually fault Drew for that. I didn't see Drew's body move the same way Keith Lee's did. And I think not having the momentum in sync kind of stopped him from going all the way over. But I don't know. I'm not a wrestler. I just thought it was it was a dangerous spot. I, I'm glad he's okay. And I actually was, was looking to see if they were going to call the match there. Other than that, I thought it was uh, a, a really, really good match. Just like a lot of the Raw matches we've been getting, though, I think it's going to be you know, one of those down the line where to get more out of it. Uh, they, they left a little bit to be desired. I say that a lot, but I think this was a match about showing Keith Lee's strength as opposed to an actual title shot. But the way the match was going, I had tweeted out, this match better end with Keith Lee holding the title because that's how it looked, and it looked proper. It didn't look rushed, forced, or nothing. Uh, it also is a complete difference of the character we got from NXT, the beloved one, and since he's not beloved, putting the title on him isn't rushing it. So I think we're at a stage now where if it happens, it makes sense. Now, to everyone's favorite part of Raw, which is why I saved it for the end, Goldberg. Um, Look, do I like it? No, because I like other wrestlers. Am I going to bitch about it because me bitching is going to take it off my TV? No, I'm not. So I will take it as it's given to me. Number one, I was surprised. Number two, Goldberg's best promo. He slipped up, what, twice? But it sounded natural. Number three, the promo content wasn't the right content. Number four, if you think Drew is the heel, then the promo content was the right content. Because a couple of us have been saying it for a little while here. Drew is a damn good heel. Shout out to Marsh. Best heel in the business. It's He is. He's a fucking heel. The problem is everything Goldberg said is not what Drew McIntyre is about. Drew McIntyre even said it. Anyone who knows Drew McIntyre knows he's all about respect. And I think we know that too. I don't think he ever shows disrespect to the legends. So it's funny to hear Goldberg cut that promo. But for me, for my money, it was the best promo Goldberg could have put out there. But I think if if WWE is going to continue to bring Goldberg out, you got to bring him out as, a, as an asshole, as a dickhead, as, as he's in the wrong for showing up. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm ready to take that title. I don't care what anyone thinks. Done. See you later. Bye. Um, am I excited for it? Yes. I want to see what it looks like. So Goldberg being back for this match, and this is why you don't read fucking dirt sheets out there, idiots. And I only call you idiots because I, I'm saying it to a brick wall talking to a brick wall. You guys aren't idiots if you want to read it. Go for it. But just stop believing that shit. It doesn't make sense. You know, everyone's concerned that Goldberg's going to win the Royal Rumble. Well, guess what? He's not even in the fucking Royal Rumble. He's going to be there in a match against Drew. Some of you guys are are saying that let's make it one of those three minutes or less match. Why? Why? So we can see Spear kick out, Spear kick out, Jackhammer kick out, Drew uh, Claymore, 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 Future Shock DDT, and the match is over. Why don't you get creative with it? I said this too, when Goldberg first came back and everybody wanted to boo it, 89 seconds later, the place was going fucking crazy. 
Survivor Series was fucking bananas. Yes, he should have never took the title off of KO. KO and Jericho deserved that title at WrestleMania. They deserved that story to have the full culmination. I agree. I agree. But like I said about the Bludgeon Brothers and WrestleMania, it's not about me. So I can't, I can't dictate the storyline. I'm not here for that. This Goldberg-Drew McIntyre match is going to be good as long as they play ball with each other. If you want to build Drew McIntyre as a Scottish Superman, then Goldberg's the right guy. Show me Goldberg looking weak at the hands of Drew McIntyre. Think about it. Think about Drew McIntyre breaking down Goldberg over five minutes, over six minutes. Goldberg getting a spear in, McIntyre kicking out, working him down. Because the WrestleMania match that we got between Goldberg and Brock was the best version of Goldberg in the WWE. It worked best. It was a great match. It was about six minutes. And and my Goldberg expert at work said uh, the only thing he wished is that Goldberg kicked out of one of the F5s. Had he, had he kicked out once at the end there, you still maintain why Goldberg's coming around now. And I agree with him. I agree with him. He doesn't even fucking watch wrestling. I might even have him on here as a preview to uh, – to Royal Rumble or something like that, just to see how this build goes. Because if the build gets good, then there's going to be desire to watch the match. Uh, and maybe I'll even have him on to do a, a Goldberg uh, watch-along to that match, and we'll just we'll just talk shit about it. But anyway, that's my thoughts on Raw. I don't think, I do not think it, Goldberg being here is a bad idea. I don't think it was a necessarily bad episode of Raw. The problem is the last two weeks have been really good coming out of TLC, giving us intrigue as to what's going to happen to the Royal Rumble. So hopefully they pick that back up on next Monday, and, and we'll see what that's all about. Now, let's get into something I think we all can agree looking forward to is going to be the best way to start off the new year. Wednesday night, New Year's Eve preview. Come to Twitch. Watch along with me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it. I think what, what the plan is going forward is... All WWE pay-per-views, all special shows that make sense. Um, I don't, I don't make any money on the podcast right now, so I'm not going to do any pay-per-view watch-alongs that I have to pay more than the network for. So AEW, Impact, New Japan, all that stuff. I'm not going to do a watch-along if it because it's it's not part of uh, my budget. Let's say, but if I start making money on the podcast, then yeah, I'll I'll use it as a write-off, not a problem. So let's get, let's get into New Year's Evil. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, shout out to at Justin Time 211. We both agree uh, this not being a pay-per-view really might hurt it. Uh, how do you do a last woman standing match? How do you do a fight pit match inside of two hours and still get four more matches in? I, I think that's going to to hurt it a little bit, or three more matches, sorry. So, But we'll see. We'll see. Let's not worry about what could go wrong. Let's worry about what's on paper and go from there. I'm I'm mostly looking forward to Ray Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez in the last woman standing match. I actually think Raquel's going to win this. They have been building her to look so so strong, so dominant, so untouchable that this is going to be her now third women's champion that she's going to pin. And I like it. I like it. I I think this is the igniter to the rocket ship for Raquel. Uh, look for her to to at the next takeover uh, vie for the women's championship. 
I think it's coming. Uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Ciampa in a fight pit. Again, uh, how do you raise and lower the fight pit? Is the fight pit going to be in a different room? Are we going to have space to do all this shit? Even the last woman standing match, you know what I mean? Like, are they going to battle through the crowd during COVID? Not a good idea. Uh, but this fight pit match, it's, I think it ends in mutual respect. I think it ends in them forming a tag team. It's the only thing I see happening. I, I don't understand. I, I never really understood this story. I just know that quality in what they do is what they do. So maybe this story is for someone else. Maybe it's more for the kids or for for people younger than me. But, you know, Ciampa's picking a fight with him, and it seems like he's picking a fight with Thatcher to to get him to understand what he can really be, and Ciampa can show him the way. That's why I think it'll lead to a tag team. The match added last, uh, last week was Santos Escobar versus Grand Metalik, and I'm okay with it. I just again with the two hour time limit, it's gonna be tough to get all five matches, especially with two gimmick matches, you know, kind of the, the time we need. Um, but it's gonna be fun. It, it should be good. Grand Metalik is a fantastic performer. Uh I believe he was in the finals against TJP in the original Cruiserweight Classic tournament. So I definitely think this is a match that we're all gonna enjoy. So, you know, there that's basically it on that one, right? Uh Karrion Cross versus Damian Priest. This is a match where I th- I thought we weren't going to get for like another six months where one of them has the title and they're just going all out. So it makes me think that Damian Priest is going to end up somewhere else. Uh, I-, I think he's actually going to lose to Karrion Cross and and end up in the Rumble to to start a feud on SmackDown. Uh, I just I feel like Damian Priest's presence is better on 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 SmackDown. Uh, I think he's. He's too, he's too absorbed in Raw, and he's he stands out too much in NXT, if that makes sense. I think SmackDown would be the perfect fit. I don't know who that opponent would be. I can't think of it. I just I feel the look. His look makes sense on SmackDown. Very similar to how how Baron Corbin excelled on SmackDown. I think I think that's kind of the look that I see for Damian Priest. So. Uh, I look for Karrion Cross to win that, and and Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly. This is again a rematch of the best match of 2020, and I tell you, I, I think it's too soon, and I think having that fifth match on there is going to really scrub the time off of this one. I I don't know what to think. I'm going to enjoy it. I said after the last match, even though it won match of the year, I feel like they left a lot on the table, like there was more for them to offer. And we'll see what we get here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of, you did this to me last time. I, I prepped for that. Uh, a lot of protecting the jaw. But in the end here, I think you do it. I think you pull the trigger. I think you give it to Kyle O'Reilly. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think I want to see it from a get creative storytelling standpoint. But since Finn Balor is back and he's healthy, and the character, the prince that he's playing, is something that you can't get away from. So I would imagine that this doesn't take it doesn't take the title off of Finn Balor just yet, but it may continue to sow the seeds of how that's actually going to happen. I I I think though, because this this is my problem with with how uh, what you call it how um um contenders contenders for the title get get picked. O'Reilly's now earned it twice. If he loses. Why should he get another opportunity? 
Now, I know Randy Orton gets 500 opportunities and still loses. Shout out to Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre. But I, I don't understand if you have O'Reilly lose here, what momentum does that take back to the Undisputed Era? What momentum does that take back to his next singles match? It doesn't it doesn't add up, right? So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna tell this story, then do it. Put the title on him. And then have Finn take it back in uh in January takeover. Because I'm assuming they'll do a takeover for the Royal Rumble. That's that's just my opinion. Cause look, when you when you continue to do this, again, like I said, if if you continue to position O'Reilly as a contender, but he loses, he loses credibility. And I think Undisputed Era is shaping up real nice to have strong and, and Cole win the tag teams and O'Reilly be the champion. And no faction's ever done shit like that. There's always been a lead dog, the tag teams, and the mid-carter. Well, switch it up. See what happens. Why not? It's wrestling. Get creative. You know what I mean? So, look, that's all I got. Um, let's, you know what? Let me do a, a an official prediction across the board. I'm going Raquel Gonzalez in the last woman standing match. I'm going Thatcher in the fight pit. Carrying cross over Damian Priest. Escobar uh, retains his cruiserweight. And I'll go O'Reilly winning the championship. Uh, I'm not married to the picks. They are what they are. Uh, it'd just be cool to see what happens in the aftermath there. Um, but come uh, come watch along on Twitch. I'll be starting right around 8 o'clock at TW Takes Podcast on Twitch. We'll watch along. We'll talk shit. And we'll see. Maybe I'll give away a wrestling pin. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. Until next time.